for those of you who have been living under a rock for the past 24 hours, Kobe Bryant has passed away at the age of 41. Died in the helicopter crash in Calabasas outside of LA. He, along with eight other people in the helicopter, perished along with him. One of them being his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna. I was at my grandmother's house when I saw the news. My buddy Malik got a little group chat going myself. Malik and Russell. Take a sip of water here before I continue. Get the old juices flowing. I was at my grandmother's house. I think I was throwing away her recycler or some shit. When the announcement crossed my phone and Malik wanted to make sure that it was completely legit. With a new story like that, you'd want to make sure it goes across all outlets before you make a full decision with the situation that's at hand. That's what everyone must do. It should be rational. It should be, you know, checking your facts, making sure everything goes straight. And I checked multiple, like 10, 20 outlets just to ensure myself that this actually happened. And it was pretty much legit within like 10 minutes of me seeing it. It was myself, my mother, and my grandmother. And I walked in, and I just said, Kobe Bryant just died in a, car- in a freaking helicopter crash. My mom's like, what? And my grandmother's like, what? I'm like, yeah, apparently Kobe Bryant died. And mom's like, bullshit. I'm like, I just checked, like, a ton of outlets. It's legit. And then more and more news came out, and... Then we saw it on ESPN and the report and, you know, NBA and, you know, that's in Reuters and Chicago and Times, Washington Examiner, New York Times, New York Post. And it was legit. Kobe Bryant at the age of 41 cra- died in a car in a helicopter crash. I don't know why I want to keep saying car crash for. Kobe Bryant was a legend in the NBA. That's that's just a fact, and he was at the time a living legend, an amazing career, five-time champion, two Finals MVPs, part of one of the greatest dynasties the game had ever seen. Quite a while, LA Lakers were their team, and I remember myself, of course, being a Boston Celtics fan, watching, you know, Kobe go against the Celtics, and in the late 2000s early 2010s and just seeing the battles they had and you know watching game 7 6 and 7 when we played the Lakers and just being heartbroken at the fact Kobe Bryant just dominated seeing that and watching it and just in awe of the fact that Boston was going to lose a championship on their home floor
it's still a shock to a lot of us. Myself, for sure. It's a big shock. And, you know, just watching it, you know, and actually being reality. And what makes it even more shocking is that his daughter was there with him. And they perished that day. And my heart and my condolences do go out to the Bryan family, Vanessa, and her other, da- her other three daughters. And they just had their youngest, Capri, not too long ago. And so, big love does go out to the Bryan family. It's, it's crazy to think that in an instant... It could all go away. And my favorite um, interview that I saw was from Jason, was from Jay Williams, who used to play, who played one season in the league and became a ESPN analyst soon after. And he was undoubtedly distraught and, you know, pretty much had said, you know, don't take this for granted. Don't take life for granted. And to, you know, cherish the ones you love, your friends and family. Is you never know when it when it could be your turn. You know, cursing <laughs> on Sports Center. And he, you know, oops, I didn't mean to, but you know, it just, you know, no, don't hold any grudges. And I felt that having lost a family member myself. You know, the crazy, crazier thing would be for, you know, because LeBron just passed the Kobe on third in the all-time scoring list. He just passed him just a couple of days ago. And then all of a sudden, it's he's gone. It's just interesting and surreal and all in a moment's notice and just all is gone. But what really pisses me off about society today and how people just trying to throw shade on Kobe like I, I, I saw it on my Twitter and my Instagram all day long. People were shitting on Kobe. I think I was watching a YouTube video. Um, you know, them talking about that and discussing, you know, how certain groups of people, I'm not going to say who, I'm trying to get blasted today to say the time and do it. I, mean, I, I don't feel like fucking with people today. Normally on a Monday, I would do, you know, fuckery type shit, but. I just don't have the energy to do it, nor do I even give a shit right now. People, like, literally throwing shade on Kobe. Like, when is there a need to throw shade on someone, especially the likes of Kobe Bryant, who many people inherited as one of the greatest of all time in the game of basketball, just to shit on Kobe like that? No, there's no need to shit on anyone like that. Especially, especially when they are not able to defend themselves. Yeah, we're turning it up now. That's the real fucked up part. 
on my Instagram before I even started recording. I, immediately once I saw that, um, I started recording. JC, who was a battle rapper in the Ultimate Rap League, Ultimate Rap League is a battle rap league, and JC is one of the you know top guys in that league, and he posted on that on what was it on his uh, Instagram that Hulu of all fucking companies. had already done a special on Kobe called, I believe it was called The Death of Kobe Bryant. Let me see, hold on. Okay, I don't have it on my thing right now. The Death of Kobe Bryant. Like, what? What type of fucking stupidity is that? That is the most blatant fuck up I have seen in a very long time and I've seen some really stupid shit Baltimore I'm looking at you it is just insane for the life of me I really can't understand it. It's beyond my train of thought. I saw, you know, Twitter posts of people sending out emails and, you know, for e-com shit and, how, you know, trying to capitalize off of Kobe's death and now, again, people still, you know, shitting on Kobe and all this shit and equating it to fuck, you know, Trump should have been the one to fucking uh, be in that helicopter instead of Kobe. Like what, like, what the fuck are we doing here? One of the greatest basketball players ever. Has just passed, not tw- not even 24 hours ago. And fuckers are throwing shit. You got fucking Hulu making a fucking Kobe Bryant death special. Where the fuck you want to call it? There is never really a time or place to capitalize on someone's death monetarily. What kind of society am I fucking living in? Throwing shit on Kobe. Got me all kinds of fucked up. This is not the time to be fucking capitalizing off of someone's death. That is disrespectful. And then for TMZ who was literally the first to report Kobe's death. Get shit on by the LAPD sheriff himself because they had already put it out there before the LAPD was able to tell his wife. Holy fucking shit. What the 
fuck kind of society am I living in? We should be celebrating this man, his life, his legacy. We should celebrate the game that he played. What he what he do to, you know, he, all he want to do is play ball. Be a good father. Instead, he's getting mud thrown at him, dragged in the mud. People wishing that Trump was the one in the helicopter instead of fucking Kobe. What kind of shit is that? What kind of nonsense we running around here in America? I love the fact that the Grammys tried to not make it a big thing for Kobe and not have people outside the building. That was the house that Kobe fucking built. If I have to say a cliche term, Alicia Keys said it last night at the Grammys to open up the show. It is heartbreaking to be in the house that Kobe built. I, for one, am appalled that dumb fucks would be willing to do that shit, say such things, insane, asinine, nonsense. We should be celebrating a man who was a true legend of the game of basketball an ambassador outside of the game an overall good dude and the real fucked up here's the real fucked up part motherfuckers were bringing up the whole fucking shit in Eagle Colorado just to talk shit you do know the motherfucker was acquitted and settled out of court correct just because he settled out of court does not mean that it's a mission of guilt. Honestly, I didn't believe it for a second. Still don't to this day. But damn, y'all bringing that up? Just a day after he passed? People sharing articles on fucking Twitter about um, the whole Eagle case. Like, come on, what are we doing here? What the fuck are we doing here? Let me ask you all a question. I already know the answer. But I think we, you, you and I, the person listening to this and me. I mean, when you listen to this, it's, it's about as intimate as it gets. Between you and I here. We're just having a conversation. It's more one-sided than anything. You're just listening. I'm just, you know, ranting off the fucking neck. Let me ask y'all this. How would you feel if when you died, 
No one put respect on your name. Not a, not a good word was uttered about you. Shade being thrown. Bringing up all your old shit. Not celebrating the life you had, the accomplishments you had, the accolades you had reached. Shit, when I go, when I go, at least once, I want someone to say, that Zachary was a weird motherfucker, but he was cool as shit. Real talk, real fucking talk. I thought about my death, my funeral. I thought about this many times. I'm more, I'm a really morbid motherfucker when I when it comes to my thoughts. Sometimes, random Sunday, nothing else better to do. We gonna think about some weird shit. Let's go. Be on my laptop working. I'll just be thinking about weird shit. But I've thought about it. You know, I want to have a dope ass party, celebrating life. I wouldn't want anyone to be sad. I know y'all be sad. Understandable. I'm gone. But I would rather my my life be celebrated than shit on. I would rather my legacy be one of excellence that people could talk about for generations to come. I'm only an uncle. No kids. But I got nephew, I got a nephew and nieces that I treat as my own. They my family, they're my blood. I would want them to know my legacy was actually something of excellence, of accomplishments, of wonderful moments spent throughout my lifetime. And those moments have some of those moments were shared with them, and I want to share time with them, and I want to spend time with them, and I want to see them grow. I want to see how they act. Shit, my nephew looked literally just like me when I was a kid. Real talk. And my niece, my youngest niece, looks just like my sister. Acts like her and everything. Adorable as all hell. But she's... But I love them the same. My eldest niece, not even blood. I treat her like my own, though, because I've known her since she was two. Became best friends over crackers. Real talk. She won't remember it. I do. I got cussed out for asking the question. She came over. She had crackers. She gave me half. We became cool. That's how I pretty much see it. Love it to death. But I would want them to know my experiences, my, my moments, you know, things that I have done that they would consider me a cool uncle. Feel me? And I would want the same for you. I would want your friends and family to speak highly of you upon your passing. Throw shade on someone's name when they are not even alive to defend themselves is despicable. Heinous. Appalling. Unfuckwithable. An embarrassment of our society today. And that's what motherfuckers have been doing to Kobe Bryant. His legacy should not be this. Not at all. His his 
life since he was 18 years old has been ball. Even before that, playing in Italy, you know, had the fro. He was the fro Kobe. Was the eight. Went through that bullshit in Colorado, changed up to 24. One five. Played against Jordan. Some of the best in the game. And he came out looking like the greatest of all time. Greatest Laker, absolutely. Greatest of all time, always up for conversation. But today, and from henceforth, not only shall we respect the life of Kobe Bryant, but with your friends and family, respect, you know, whenever they do pass, respect the lives of them. Do not throw shade on their name, even if they've gone through some shit. We've all gone through some shit. I have my skeletons. Fucking great skeletons. But skeletons nonetheless. But in passing, speak highly of those who passed. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Rest in peace, Gianna Bryant. Your names will be remembered. You will be missed, Kobe. You will be missed. This is episode 161 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. Guys, Zach from the Wrestling Malicious Podcast here, and welcome to episode 161 of the Young Lions Receptive. So glad to have you guys here with me on this Monday evening or Tuesday morning, whenever you listen to this. But I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Man, oh man. We were spoiled this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely spoiled. The first thing I want to get off my chest in terms of this weekend is that we literally have literally were witness to what I am going to be saying as the best Royal Rumble weekend the last five years. Hands down. Just my headphones here. Yeah, I got some new wireless headphones. Other ones crapped out on me. Got to invest in some new shit. But yeah, we had literally the best Royal Rumble weekend in the last five years. I, for the life of me, was thoroughly pleased with both Worlds Collide and Royal Rumble last night. The last couple of years, not so much. Um, 2018, 2019, but 2020, they started up their big four schedule off 
on a proper on a proper scale. Saturday night gave us Worlds Collide. Basically felt like an NXT takeover without being an NXT takeover. Royal Rumble. And a lot of people, including myself, were dreading the Royal Rumble and thinking this was going to be considering the build up to this big four pay-per-view that it was absolute straight garbage. And we were pretty much thinking, oh, well, Royal Rumble's going to get smoked again. And... I'm going to be perfectly clear with y'all. Worlds Collide did beat the Royal Rumble in terms of match quality and what we, what happened that night. Let that be known out the gate. So that makes now, continue on a four-year streak of big four pay-per-view weekends where NXT, NXT UK beat Vince. But it was closer than usual, most usually. Most of the, oh, okay. It was closer than a lot of people would have thought. We'll talk about that in the final grade when we get to that point at the end of the show. But both shows did come out to play and they did not fuck around. That doesn't mean they get out of it unscathed. More so, we're a rumble than worlds collide. But we're in the good portion of the program. This is the good that was Royal Rumble weekend, so we'll keep it in a very, very positive manner. Again, Worlds Collide felt like a true NXT takeover without it being an NXT takeover. Every bit of this show was fucking fun. So fucking fun. You know, it's not every day that we combine brands and we can I guess fight well I mean for Survivor Series is the one time of the year but for the last like two three months NXT and NXT UK have come together to one showcase the talent that were more than likely going to be involved with Worlds Collide showcase talent that most people normally don't see on a regular basis and introduce that talent to the people at home they succeeded and they had a long-term plan for this. They had a long-term plan and they gave us probably three, four good months of showcasing the talent from NXT UK, putting them in prop big, big time matches, making the matches feel important, showcases in the last, in December leading up to January, continuing the same trend. And they really, they really did their job. They handled their fucking business and they gave us a very, very fun show. Ilya Dragunov and Balor started the show in a really good matchup. We then got into the Cruiserweight Championship match and into a, in a shot victory. And congratulations to Jordan Devlin for now being the first um, British-born, I mean, is he? no, Irish-born uh, Cruiserweight Champion in the history of the, the championship. Um, Devlin is a beast, and I've been, I've been praising his name for months. Going all the way back to my NXT talk, NXT UK talk, uh, when I was doing that on a regular basis. I'm going to get comfortable here. It's going to be a long one. going to be a very long show. Hope you got yourself strapped in. Got your comfy chair. Nice cold drink in hand. 
and a snack or two to keep it going. There we go. The Cruiserweight Championship, and I said this on Twitter, you know, how amazing is it that you had a division that coming out of the Cruiserweight Classic was heralded and was what many consider the future of the WWE. You know, TJP, Brian Kendrick, Fabian Eichner, Rich Tony Swan, Neville, Enzo, and no, we don't really count Enzo, um, Cedric Alexander, Buddy Murphy, all these names. And, well, that was, that was you know, later on, you know, Buddy Murphy and them, Mustafa Ali and the like, and they went into Raw. We were thinking at least they were going to add some variety and flavor to Raw when all we got was the same old bullshit that Vince was giving us in 2016. We had to wait, what, three, almost three years before the Cruiserweights became relevant again when they jumped ship to NXT and look at what they've done ever since. They have been killing it on NXT. The Cruiserweight division always belonged in NXT. We just didn't see it. And when it was announced that they were finally making the move over to NXT, me personally, I was all positive. I was all for because this was a prop. Now knowing it's two hours, they had a proper platform to actually showcase the talent of the Cruiserweight division on an actual show that had importance and had fans already invested in the show. And that's always a good thing for me. Jordan Devlin's shock victory sent waves throughout the division. Um, I was kind of shocked myself that Devlin captured the title soon after Garza just won the title away from Leo Rush. That's why I had picked Garza. I was thinking, you know, they were going to give him a nice little, you know, championship run leading up to maybe WrestleMania, something like that. But they wanted to cash in on Devlin. And that means Devlin starts getting run on NXT. That means he becomes a household name in NXT. Now, that's not to say he doesn't have any more, any business left in NXT UK, because I'm sure there's a few matches that I'm sure Devlin wants to take care of before he makes the jump to NXT permanently. But I'm loving the fact that they're adding in the influx of NXT UK talent over to NXT. It makes for really good programming. Look look at the uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. NXT, NXT UK Final. Between the the Broser Waits and the Grizzly Young Veterans this coming Wednesday. And what better better day than my birthday to get that? Because I'm probably going to watch AEW, record NXT, then go back and watch NXT. And I'll make it very easy to record. Because also, given the fact that I will be on vacation starting on my birthday. So I get five whole days to do nothing and just chill and record and work on things and take care of some shit I need to take care of. And yeah. But NXT 
NXT and, and NXT UK talent really have been showing their ass, and I've been enjoying it. We got a women's championship match that featured two NXT UK alumni, Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm. That was a good match. Um, we did hear the news though that Io Shirai will be out for two months with a knee injury, and it's legitimate. So well wishes R2 EO, wish you a speedy recovery, and can't wait to see your return once you get back in the ring. But now we know Ripley Belair is going to go down at Portland in three weeks. And I'm ready for that. And I'm ready for that. Especially given the fact that she had a great WrestleMania, uh, not WrestleMania, a Royal Rumble Rumble performance uh, with eight eliminations tying the night with Sheena Baszler. And then we got the, the two big tag matches. DIY versus Mustache Mountain and Imperium versus Undisputed Era, an eight-man tag. Both of these matches are matches that I didn't know I wanted until I really saw it in front of my face. DIY Mustache Mountain literally just came out of nowhere. Trent Seven put out the tweet, you know, what's up DIY, you down? Little, little, Little brawl here? DIY for one night only accepted. And he got t-shirts to prove it. God damn it. Um, <laughs> Imperium Undisputed Era was all about stable supremacy. Who was the best stable in all of NXT? You know, honestly, I'd say Imperium and Undisputed Era, the two best stables in all of WWE right now. That Monday Night Messiah bullshit Seth Rollins got going on is kind of weak. Kind of weak to me. But man. I mean. Undisputed Era Imperium match really blew the roof off the Toyota Center that on Saturday night. I know the crowd wasn't as big as the Toyota Center holds, but that crowd made it sound like it was as big as the Toyota Center holds. That crowd was bananas. Actually, both crowds at Royal Rumble and NXT NXT uh, NXT UK Worlds Collide were bananas. I mean, then again, it is a big four weekend, so I expect the crowds to be bananas. I loved Undisputed Era Imperium. That was a joy to watch. And my thoughts go out to Alexander Wolf. Hopefully he is all right after that shot he took to the chin. Nice little kick action from uh, Bobby Fish. Um, hesitated for, I mean, I do understand. A lot, and a lot of people gave Bobby Fish shit for some reason on Twitter and talking about, oh, you know, why is he using much flag as Brie Bella? I'll explain. Because Brie Bella not only botched watch once, she botched multiple times upon her return to the WWE. The suicide dive where she almost literally died. The kicks were the kicks that gave Liv Morgan a fucking concussion. Oh, we forgot that part, did we? I don't forget. I synced it. Fuck out of here. One straight shot to the chin. Wolf acknowledged it on Twitter. Should have kept my chin up. 
Homie got clocked. Out for the night. It was then a four on three situation. And even then with just seven, it still was amazing. It was absolutely fantastic to watch. That was a war, a true war. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of fans, I said this on a Friday. A lot of people were wanting to see this at Survivor Series. To this be the stable versus stable brand and stable versus stable. And you know what? I would have been all for that at War Games or Survivor Series. But I don't think it was the time to do that. We then got it two months later at Worlds Collide and well worth the fucking wait. DIY Mustache Mountain was a fucking classic. I enjoyed every, mind you, I enjoyed every second of this card. This was probably one of the, like like I said, this was a takeover that wasn't a takeover. And we, as fans, thoroughly enjoyed every single second of it. I know I did. I loved it. I loved every bit of it. It was glorious to watch. So much replay value. Match of the year candidates. Honorable mentions of the year candidates. Okay? Moments, just moments throughout the night. It was such a good, wonderful, fantastic show. And this was one of the best shows I've probably seen in a long time. And NXT, NXT UK did their job. Going to the Royal Rumble real quick. I am very happy to see a good amount of the stuff that went down on Sunday night. Now, y'all know, as I stated on Friday, I was only really interested in three matches on the card. Women's Rumble, Wyatt Bryan, Oscar Becky. Men's Rumble, to me, and silly me for thinking so, was a mere formality. I figured you need, like I said, hey, I know when I'm wrong. I admit when I get the L. That's fine. I even said it on Twitter. Yes, I picked Roman Reigns to win. And I also said if Roman wins, I laugh. If he gets eliminated, I'd laugh. Either way, I'm laughing. And I still am laughing because it's funny as shit. But for Drew McIntyre to win the 2020 Men's Royal Rumble... At least for one person. It signified maybe. Maybe. They finally see what we've seen. Or at least what I've seen in Drew McIntyre. The man is world champion material. He has the look. He has the demeanor. He has the freaking. He can go heel and face. He can talk. And he can go in the ring. Five tool player. I knew it was going to be McIntyre Lesnar anyway. I just didn't think that they were going to give McIntyre the rub. Feel me? I did not think they saw Mac- what in McIntyre, what a lot of people see in McIntyre. And that's why I picked Roman to win. Again, I thought it was a mere formality at this point. Roman had been away from the title scene for a, a close to a year. 
and I fig- I fi- I figured in my head Vince knew figured it was time to have Roman get become king of the mountain yet again. But I'm very happy with that Drew McIntyre did win the Royal Rumble and it kind of I guess maybe signified a little bit of change. Not change period, but just a little bit of change, maybe a slice of it, a little sliver of change. And now the question is do they finally realize what they have in Drew McIntyre I see the potential they have in Drew McIntyre and given the right pieces that are in place McIntyre can be that top guy in 2020 and beyond coming out of coming returning into NXT I'd seen a bit of him when he was Drew Galloway I remembered when he was Drew McIntyre as the chosen one the young brazen guy Got fired from the WWE. Hell, was in a th- was in the three man band. The w- fucking, in my honest opinion, one of the, literally, literally the worst stable I have ever seen in my entire life. Mahal, almost a fucking fucking Justin Gabriel. I can't go to bed. I gotta go to bed. He's he Slater, Andrew McIntyre, adding horns woggles. Then now that's the only reason I, they made it enjoyable for yours truly. But Drew went from that to going to the indies, to putting the work in, former WCPW champion, working in the ICW, you know, all that shit. Put, putting in that work, busting his ass, grinding every day, gets the, ju- gets the chance to go back into NXT, becomes NXT champion. Has a decent run, gets called up to Raw and then gets treated like doo-doo. But I think now, finally, I hope, they see what we see in Drew McIntyre. I see a world champion in Drew McIntyre. I can see WWE champion Drew McIntyre being said when he comes out for a promo or a match. McIntyre has all the tools you need to be a cop, a top guy in the in this company. It's all. It's up to Vince McMahon to actually see what we see. Because the the thought of him losing to Lesnar is still looming. That thought is still there. And it concerns me a little bit. But right now, let's just at least enjoy the moment that McIntyre has won the Royal Rumble. He is now on his way to WrestleMania in the main event. And we'll see what happens from there. The strap match between Wyatt and Brian was very, very fantastic. I kind of figured The Fiend was going to retain. Par for the course, if you will. But they made that shit enjoyable as a blow off. They beat the hell out of each other with that strap. They beat each other all throughout the ring. And the one thing I really appreciated about The Fiend has been the duality that Bray Wyatt is able to play. As The Fiend and as Bray Wyatt. 
I mean, he was given the mandible claw by Mick Foley. He gave that to him. It's a beautiful thing. But he plays the he, he takes that duality and just makes it his own. He maximizes it. He makes it into something that's very, very enjoyable for fans. He is that dude. And the hope is still there that Wyatt walks out of WrestleMania is still champion. And it concerns a lot of people that Roman is still going to be the guy to take the title from him. And that is, again, the reason why I picked Roman to win the Rumble. Because Reigns Wyatt was inevitable and they were going to do everything they can to make sure Roman Reigns was the lasting thing, was the last thing you saw at WrestleMania when the show was over. I appreciate how Wyatt is able to go back and forth and just be able to play those characters and just be sensational with both. Sensational. Not a word I use often. But when I do it, I mean that shit. I'm very happy with the way they've been maneuvering the fiend i guess for the most part i've loved the way they move the fiend how they've been working it now he's gonna run into the you know inevitable and lose to roman reigns at mania because well they're gonna make romans and reigns at the top guy once again but at least for lat at least one night wyatt was wyatt that was probably the one or two best matches i've seen from the fiend since he became the fiend that sister abigail he caught i think brian was coming out the ropes or some shit leaping at him he just catches him and hits that sister abigail clean as a fucking whistle kicked in the dick though <laughs> apparently that he knows what that is they they made this go they booked this just fantastically it was a war, it was fun, and it was nice to see, you know, Bray, you know, get beaten up a little bit. Daniel Bryan, though, got his ass moved. <laughs> he, he got hit with that strap like a month. Oh, my. The welts, though, boy. It's going to be curious to see what Daniel Bryan has is going to be dealing with at WrestleMania. I hope he's on the card. I saw one tweet where maybe Brian Nakamura would be the Intercontinental Championship. And I'm gonna let y'all know right now the possibility of how I, I would book WrestleMania 36 is already starting to turn its wheels in my head. Because there's a lot I would fuck with, but it's a lot I would change. A lot I would change. We'll discuss that in the next segment. Because there's a lot of shit that we need to talk about. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Royal Rumble didn't come out of this one unscathed at all. We got some shit to talk about. One show I would like to not have a long bad set. I don't need to. Becky Lynch and Asuka was the 
like when I put this on Twitter last night, this somehow turned into a year long deal that literally came out of fucking nowhere, right? Asuka defeats Becky. Asuka wins the championship at TLC 2018. Royal Rumble 2019, Asuka defeats Becky to retain said championship. We then know what happened with Asuka at Mania. We ain't gonna talk about that. Um, Becky runs through every woman in the division. Dig? Except she has never beaten Asuka. Not once. And for an entire year, she had to deal with that. And now, close to one year from the day that she lost to Asuka, she got her chance to avenge that loss. To get one last debt. The storyline was low was low key fantastic. I wasn't even in this wasn't a storyline I wasn't even expecting. And that was like one of those hidden gems of a storyline. And they really ramped it up though. That was one of the ones that ramped it up to, towards the build. If it was one storyline that I was really keen on and one map that's why I was so focused on Asuka Becky was because that they really made this into a a really fucking big deal. Becky had one last debt that she needed to collect, and that was to avenge the loss she had from a year ago after losing the championship at TLC in 2018. Clean, very fucking clean storyline. Proper. They have it in them to build something in terms of a storyline. They just don't want to make it, they just don't want to put in the work as much as I think they should. This was one of those where I was like, you know what? The blow off was worth it. Becky retained, got her last debt, and now she can go into WrestleMania season waiting for her next challenge. More than likely going to be Charlotte. We'll discuss that in the next segment. Actually, no, that's not going to be in the next segment. That's going to be for, I'm going to save that for the end. I got a lot to say on that. Probably not, but we're going to get into it anyway. That was a that was that was the one match I knew I was really keen on and kept my eye on for last night. And Asuka and Becky did exactly what they needed to do. Told a great story. The ending was perfect. The ending was fantastic. I loved the ending of this match. Asuka was gonna go for the mist. Becky knew it. Turned the referee around. Super kick. Mist blows up in the air. Locks into the disarmor. Asuka taps out. Becky retains. Very well done editing. That ending was splendid. I appreciate that kind of ending. Asuka got her comeuppance. Something I can appreciate. What, Marley? What? What are you mad about? Hmm? What are you mad about? Come here. Alright, fine. Go lay in the kitchen. And that was your obligatory Marley moment of the show. I didn't enjoy the Royal Rumble. I really... Listen, not everything was good. I'd say about half of the show was doo-doo. But the other half was great. The women's Royal Rumble 
was good. Men's Real Rumble was fucking hilarious. And I'm going to end this segment on those. Both Rumbles were cool. I liked them. I dug them. And I would say the Men's Real Rumble, like I said, Men's Real Rumble alone was probably the best one I had seen in a very long time. Just because 2018 and 2019, I got those right, don't mean they were good rumbles. They were kind of due to 2020's version, though, was thumbs up you're from yours truly. Brock Lesnar beating everybody's ass to up to 15. I was, oh, I was dying. Oh, I was, oh, I'm on, oh, I was laying on this couch looking at the TV. I was just laughing my ass off. Oh, my God. They did that. They did that opening of the Royal Rumble to perfection. The people that came out was the right people. Um, just everything about it was just fantastic. Keith Lee, Kofi, Rey Mysterio, Big E, motherfucker. Oh my God. It was just, man, they did it all correctly in that. The Miz, fucking Braun Strowman came out. He looked like a loser. Um, it was that was that first third of the Royal Rumble was fucking great. I never got, I was literally, I was laughing from the beginning. I was laughing from that. John Morrison came out, got his ass whooped. Um, It was just that first, those, that that first through the fucking 15th was hilarious. Just, oh, just watching Lesnar just beat everyone's ass. It was great. Ricochet then came out. McIntyre came out. Ricochet kicked Dick Kick City for repaying that from what happened on last Monday. McIntyre is the one to eliminate him. Houston goes ballistic. Houston went fucking bonkers for that moment. It was beautiful. I was like, what? Mind you, I do have upstairs neighbors, so I can't really go as you know crazy as I want to. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing though to come out of this was Edge. Edge returning. And me, me, I had to eat my crow this morning for breakfast. I did. Shut up. I said no CM Punk, no Edge. I'm a dumbass. Fuck you. I don't care. And then we find out that motherfucker signed a three-year deal with WWE. So not only did we see Edge returning to the WWE? We are now getting to see him for the next three years. Beautiful. Of course, in this particular season, he's going to work limited dates because A, he owe. And B, you know, he owe. <laughs> and of course, the whole neck injury deal that he had back in 2011 when he had to re- retire. Edge's return. Shit, you thought McIntyre eliminating Lesnar was big. Edge returning then. That was the that was that that literally was the moment of the night. That was the moment of the weekend. He got the whole kitten fucking caboodle. The entrance, the pyro, the pomp and circumstance, crowd going bananas. That's a Royal Rumble fucking moment. On top of that, he was at the final four a very coveted spot now it was a very interesting final four with Roman 
Drew, Edge, and Randy. But then it set up possibly Edge and Randy. The possible disappointment of Roman winning the Rumble again. In which I figured Houston was going to have a fucking riot. And Drew then eliminating Roman last winning the Rumble. Which was a Paul Heyman idea. And it was reported that the Royal Rumble winners were changed the day of. Yes, it had. It, yes, there is reports out there stating that Vince McMahon. I don't know if it was Vince. Yeah, it was, it was bro, if you fucking Vince. It's Vince. He can do what he wants. Change the Royal Rumble winners the day of. It was originally. It was originally planned that Roman Reigns and Shayna Baszler were slated to win the 2020 Men's and Women's Royal Rumble. So by so in that essence, I was right. Had they kept the status quo, I would literally be laughing my ass off because one, that would be a three-peat for yours truly. Two, Roman would Roman would have won the Rumble and I would be laughing my ass off because of that. And we would have gotten Shayna Becky for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania more than likely. But change of plans happened and that was not the case. But that was, but Edge returning truly was the moment of the weekend. It was nice to see Beth Phoenix in the Royal Rumble as well. Um, I appreciated the fact that they have a very NXT heavy, you know, you know, participants. I was trying to figure out the word there. It was very nice. It was a very, very good display of what the future of WWE will be in terms of the women's division. That was fun to watch. Surprised that Kai and Knox didn't really go at it. Um, we did get that though on Saturday, so that was a huge, that was a nice little uh, touch there in terms of detail. Um, seeing just the wonder of it all. It was a very fantastic show for the Royal Rumble. I was, I was, you know, the second half of the show was top tier the first half besides the women's rumble of course um they did their job and that's the and that's one of the one of the few biggest things about this that Royal Rumble weekend ended up being one of the better Royal Rumble weekends in recent memory and for that for WWE we thank you for NXT and NXT UK we thank you thank you for giving us a very solid big four weekend something I could think about years down the line and show my nephew when he gets older And that always is a good thing. When you come out of a, a big four weekend like that, going into WrestleMania season and kind of having somewhat thoughts of optimism, that in and of itself, ladies and gentlemen, is always a plus. And that was the good that was Royal Rumble weekend. We're going to take a little quick break, get yourself a snack, get yourself a cold beverage, do what you got to do in, in the, you know, the facilities of your own home, and then come back over here, and we'll get into the bad that was Royal Rumble weekend. Yes, there was a lot of good that came out of this weekend, but trust me when I tell you, there was a lot of bad and there was a good amount of ugly that came out of Royal Rumble weekend. We'll discuss the bad when we get back. (laughs) 
And we are back with episode 161 of the Young Lions Perspective, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That was Royal Rumble Weekend. Didn't do the time constraints. Um, I made an executive decision to combine the bad and the ugly and just make one big ass, what I'll consider just a roasting session of sorts. And we're just going to talk about everything that was... Uh, Garbage, dumb as fuck, idiotic, fail, hilarious, dumb, just anything bad and terrible about this weekend. We're gonna just uh, discuss in this. We'll also discuss, you know, our top three, the top three matches I have for the entire Royal Rumble weekend, uh, the worst match of the weekend, and we'll get into the final grades of the weekend as well as choosing the MVP of Royal Rumble Weekend. That's always a big one for yours truly. Um, usually, I don't usually come up with the MVP until actually I record. Um, when I'm just talking about it and breaking down, then just one name pops to my head. And I'm just like, you know what? Nailed it. All right. So let's get into pretty much the... I'm not even going to call it the bad or the ugly. I'm going to call this the terrible that was Royal Rumble weekend. And let's get into it. Santina Morella. Really? Santina fucking Morella. Just why? Why? I, I felt there was no reason for this to happen, especially at 20 fucking, what was it, 6 or 7? Something like that, hold on. Let me see, because so I got it right here on my, my laptop here. Let me see, let me see, do, do. Kelly, Sarah Logan, 22, Natalia, Zaya Lee, 24, Zelina Vega, 25, Shotzi, number 26, Carmella, 27, Knox, 28, yeah, 20 fucking 9, you have Santina Morella. In the women's Royal Rumble. The good thing about this Royal Rumble was that we had a very NXT heavy field going into this event. Not many returns um, per se. A lot of people were thinking AJ Lee and you're all idiots. Um, Kelly Kelly returned. Beth Phoenix returned. And then we had Santino. Just no. Just don't don't ever bring her back. Don't bring that character back. Just don't ever do it again. Don't do it again and we'll be perfectly fine. This was just... For the life of me, it just didn't make any fucking sense. And it was just... It really ruined the flow of the rumble. That's why I did not like this. We were going... We were, we were doing so well. It's like you were playing Mario Kart. And you're leading for the first two laps of the race. Halfway into the third lap, you cruise into a victory. Next thing you know, you do something real stupid and get hit by three red shells. 
Ano din ang boombox? It's terrible. I just, I just don't know what to think. I don't know what to think about that. You know? It was just an epic. It was just bullshit. And I just didn't need to see it. It didn't need to happen. You could have put someone else in there. You could have tried to get another return. Mind you, there weren't many returns. Um, there weren't many returns for this Royal Rumble. And it was perfectly fine. And then that happened. And I'm just like... Oh, that's just nice. Just not necessary at all. Just not necessary. fucking necessary. Just not. We're not gonna get into that. Okay, yeah. Bailey and Lacey was trash. Bailey versus Lacey Evans was absolutely just flat out god awful. God awful. I wanted no part of this. And it makes it even worse for Bailey and Lacey that they had to go in the dead spot right after the Women's Royal Rumble. Just, oh my god. I I honestly literally wanted no part of this. It's bad enough that the feud in and of itself was kind of meh for me. I, I, I just haven't been a fan, honestly, of this feud whatsoever. And it showed in this matchup. This matchup was not good. I mean, I can say it was good, but I'm also, you know, able to change my mind when I sleep on it. Bailey Lacey sucked. This has no replay value. No, whatsoever. I wouldn't go back and watch it, personally, unless you like Lacey Evans or you like Bailey. That's fine. Me, personally, no... No replay value whatsoever on this matchup. I just don't, I just don't want any part of it anymore. And hopefully... Hopefully... Bailey Sasha Banks is incoming for WrestleMania. Now, a lot of people were wondering what happened to Sasha last night. I saw on Twitter that she actually was injured in this. And we're actually going to make sure of that. So, we are going to look up Sasha Banks. Because, of course, I freaking search her. There we go. There it is. That's what I was looking for. I can just click on it. Yeah, Sasha Banks was reportedly injured and kept from competing in the Royal Rumble. That's why we got Kelly Kelly last night. This was also bad because a lot of people were pissed off. Like, I mean, pissed off. I mean, super pissed. Like, they were mad, angry, and wilding the fuck out on Twitter. I'm being dead ass serious. People were pissed. Where's Sasha? Why isn't Sasha in the match? Why the fuck is she using with Bailey in the SmackDown Women's Championship? Where's Sasha? Now you know. She's injured. So we'll read this really quick. This is from uh, Connor Casey of comicbook.com. Sasha Banks reportedly injured, kept from competing in the Women's Royal Rumble. Sunday night's Women's Battle 
Not a Royal, no, stop. Sunday night's women's Royal Rumble match was loaded from current stars on from Raw, SmackDown, and the NXT rosters, along with a few legends from the past, minus Santina Morella. But one major name who was absent from the show turned out to be Sasha Banks. Shortly after the match, a new report came out from Sean Sap at Fightful, stating that Banks had not been cleared for action due to an undisclosed injury, and it's unclear how long until she'll be back. The Boss hasn't been in a match since a three-way tag match on the January 3rd episode of SmackDown, and since then, she's been booked for SmackDown matches twice only to get pulled from the card after the show starts. Banks hasn't commented on the injury on social media, though it does look like she was in Houston for the show. And they do have a picture of, well, Sasha has a picture of, I guess, a landmark. She saw hashtag Royal Rumble saying, protect me from what I want. Continuing on, the boss took a hiatus from the WWE at the WrestleMania 35 in April 2019 and didn't return until August. She later stated in an interview on WWE Chronicle that her absence was due to mental health. Let's see here. Okay, yeah, so. Okay, yeah, so they can pretty much go back to what happened in 2019 with why, you know, she was absent for a little while after WrestleMania. And I can believe mental health. I mean, you're going for years straight doing your thing, you know, wrestling gets to a point where it's a bit too much. That happens to me a lot too, where I kind of tell myself, maybe I need to take a break or I need to take a vacation or something like that, you know, and then even on top of that, I still work it for y'all. Still work. Even on vacation, I did podcasts. You can check my old, check my old stuff from, like, you can't even check my old stuff from May. I did shows from May while I was out there visiting friends in Myrtle Beach. I did a, I believe I did a podcast out there this year. No, last year, my bad. And I probably will be doing another one in Myrtle Beach because I'm probably going to go see friends out there again. And it's cool. And I'm fine with that, you know? It's always good to see friends, but everyone, I always get that itch to record. I never, like, want to miss anything. I'm kind of that kind of person that, you know, especially in the world of professional wrestling, news moves quick. So if I miss something, I feel like, oh, man. But sometimes I think of, like, you know what, man? I'm just enjoying my time. Just enjoy my friends. Just enjoy yourself. If you get to it, you get to it. If not, so, you know, we'll get back. We'll get to it when we get there because it'll be a lot to discuss. And I know y'all be enjoying that shit. But that's the reason why Sasha wasn't on the card. Now, she, again, was replaced by Kelly Kelly. And that, and she didn't last long in the Rumble anyway. But getting back into Bailey Lacey Evans. This was, again, this was just one of those matches where it's over with. It's done. And I hope Sasha Banks does get well in due time. For WrestleMania season, because I still want to see Bailey and Sasha Banks. This is the one feud I think SmackDown needs for their women's division and needs to have happen. And if they don't do it, they're doing a disservice to themselves and the women in their division, which ain't much of a division anyway. It's about as many many women in the division as the AFC North. And if you know how many teams are in the AFC North or any of the other divisions in the NFL, you pretty much know what I'm talking about. I'll get the men's room, which I'm already scrolling. Now, there wasn't much with Worlds Collide. In terms of it, I think the only one thing I would honestly say about Worlds Collide, there is a terrible. Um, I was kind of wishing that Balor and Dragonoff went on a bit longer. 
Now, let's go to Wik- now, we're gonna go to Wikipedia real quick and we're gonna check out, you know, Worlds Collide and see what the time, ring times were in terms of how long matches went. Because that might make my argument a little bit better. Oh, yeah, we gotta talk about that. We will talk about that in just a second. Okay, so Ballard, they actually went 13 minutes? That did not feel like no 13 minutes. I think, I still think, yeah, they should have went on a little bit longer. Now, surprisingly, Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm only went 10 minutes, which kind of weirds me out a little bit, too, that they were the shortest match of the night, and it was still a much better match than a good portion of the matches we saw this weekend. Go to show what you can do in 10 minutes. Get your mind out the gutter, you nasty ass. But I really do wish Balor and Dragunov went on just a bit longer. Like about five, I would say another five minutes. I think it definitely would have sufficed. It felt like it felt too quick. I know they got into they definitely got into second gear, but I really would have loved to see the conclusion of that second gear. Um I mean 13 minutes though for a showcase match for Balor and Dragunov. Most would say is more than enough. I would have liked to see a this just like a little bit longer. Excuse me, trying not to yawn here. Just a tad bit longer. For some reason, I would have really, really enjoyed that if they had they gone another like five minutes. I think if it had got past that second gear, then we got to the conclusion of the match. I think it would have been a much better result from the matchup. Um, but like I said, the, the match itself was really good. But that was my god. Alexander Wolf taking that shot to the face region by Bobby Fish. Usually this would go in the bad. Actually, this would actually this would have been a very ugly thing because he took that shot like a motherfucker. Now, in a fight, you want to tuck in, in boxing. They tell you to tuck your chin because you don't want to get that you know keep your chin tucked, keep it low, try not to get caught. In wrestling, it's a little bit different. When it comes to a kick in the face region, you don't want to tuck your chin. Case in point, what happened to Alexander Wolf? He admitted it on Twitter, you know, should have kept my chin up. I don't know what the rest of the tweet was, but I remember that line, should have kept my chin up. Or something to that effect. He got clocked. Took a hard shot to the point where he had to, he literally had to be taken out of the matchup and make it a four on three situation. Now, I'm sure that was definitely not according to plan. helicopters out here my goodness the fuck y'all looking for <laughs> and damn that really made me lost my train of thought nope okay I got it back Alexander Wolf you know did realize that he made an error on himself now it is not at the fault of Bobby Fish Bobby Fish was just doing this doing the spot Wolf took the shot. I I know for a fact Fish just doing what exactly what they were talking about during for the matchup. And Fish definitely had you can tell like you can if you understand kind of have an idea of body language, you can definitely tell when a person is very, very very sorry. When you tell a person is very, very, you know what's the word I'm looking for? Sympathetic, I guess in a word, to 
what happened. He was very hesitant to continue the, you know, what he was doing. And he instantly knew. Now, mind you, Bobby Fish is a, is a specialist in the kicking re, in the kicking language. So he can he can rock you with one, and it'll be and you call it a day. Both martial art, him and Calarelli, tacticians with that shit, and they make it work, and it works, and it it was clean. It was fucking clean. It was a clean shot, and Wolf knew it. He, I mean, the fact that he did acknowledge the fact that it was on him taking that shot, I think, I think it could kind of dissipate the hate that the fans were having towards Bobby Fish in that moment. And that, I think, was a good call on Alexander Wolf for recognizing that he was at fault for why he was taken out of the match um, early on. And again, you know, kudos to Wolf for recognizing it. Kudos to Fish for, you know, understanding that, you know, he realized, oh shit, he's hurt. It always harkens back to the Neville Chris Jericho match they had a few, oh, that was taken care of a few years ago. Um, Neville went for a baseball slide on Jericho. Jericho sells it. Neville instantly realizes he hurt his ankle. Ankle's fucked. Um, I remember, I think it was, I think this was on Botchamania, if I'm not mistaken. So you can probably find, hopefully you can find it, because it is a very, very, very interesting way of letting someone know that, you know, you're hurt. So Jericho gets back into the ring. Neville kicks him once. Says he's hurt. I think he hit up what was it? He kicked him once. Kicks him again, saying that was real. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Jericho instantly, being the veteran that he is, goes to the referee, shakes him by the shirt, trying to cause a DQ. You know, just playing it off, and the referee's not recognizing it. Referee then calls for the DQ, and Jericho and, and uh, the referee have an argument with him. He's actually hurt. His man's hurt. He's down. He's hurt. What the hell are you doing? And the referee's like, "What the hell are you doing?" This is not what we're doing. And then referee realizes, oh shit, he's hurt. Throws the X up. Neville's out for a little while with the ankle injury. So recognize it's a good thing to recognize, you know, to watch the matches in a very close manner because you never really because I think also another one was the uh which is always a very shit feud in my head, Big Cass ends on more away. Cass hurt his broke his leg was gone for a long, close to a year, you know, now, a lot of people were saying, thank God, because this was a few that many people didn't want in the first place, with a team that never should have been broken up, and both of them floundered on their own, appreciate you, Vince, which then goes into the AJ Styles injury that went down on Sunday night during the Royal Rumble. Uh, Edge coming into the ring, crowd going bananas. Good, and by the way, good job missing the first spear there, WWE production team. Well done, my man. I saw, I already saw the first spear clean as shit. First spear clean, second spear clean, third spear, god damn. When he hit AJ with his spear, with the spear, that's a very weird flex. Um, New York Giants fans, apparently you are hiring Freddie Kitchens as your tight end coach. Congratulations to y'all. Um, yeah, that's an interesting call right there. I mean, though, never mind. That's another story for another day. Different time, different zone. Um, the AJ Styles injury was a very interesting one. 
Um, I didn't I didn't realize what had happened until this morning, and they were talking about AJ injured his shoulder. I'm like, wait, what? So I saw the video when he got hit with the spear. What happened was AJ Styles tried to oversell. It was what the reports were saying. He oversold, landed clear on his shoulder, and now come to find out he's got a separated shoulder. So I looked up because my Russell and I were talking about Styles' shoulder injury, and we were trying to figure, you know, and I was telling him about it. He's like, he's like, you didn't see that? I was like, he's like, no. I said, yeah, separated shoulder. Separated shoulders, depending on the severity of the injury, can last anywhere from two to 12 weeks. I Googled it. That's how I know this stuff. Learn. Learn is good for you. Get your get your wrinkles in your brain. Learn some shit today. Google something you've never seen before. Learn something. Apply it. Like I'm applying right now. Again, this is a separated shoulder from what I saw. Due to, you know, whether, you know, due to the severity of the injury can last anywhere from two to 12 weeks due you know, of recovery, rehab, and all that shit. Now, two weeks is regular if it's like a very, very minor separated separation of the shoulder. Grade two is anywhere from up to eight weeks. Grade three, no, actually they said grade two is like anywhere up to like four. Grade three is anywhere up to eight. And if it's very, very severe, they're talking 12. So you're looking at anywhere from two weeks to three months with an injury. Now, how does this factor into WrestleMania season? It factors a lot, especially if they were considering having AJ Styles in a marquee matchup on the card at WrestleMania on April, I believe it's April 6th. I don't fucking know, nor do I care at the moment. Um, pretty much for WrestleMania, early April, first week of April. If they say Styles is out for anywhere between eight and 12 weeks, we may not see AJ Styles at WrestleMania this year. It was reported that when he landed, Baron Corbin threw a shot. AJ immediately let Baron know he was hurt. He shied off. Edge then went to AJ Styles to do their thing. AJ Styles let Edge know I'm injured. I believe, and then uh, he gets eliminated. I believe Edge was the one to eliminate him. Corbin was gonna also do a spot, but Styles informed him of, of that. And good on AJ for letting them know, hey, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. You know, it's one of those very, very interesting things where, you know, so, you know, anything can happen at a moment's notice. And that was rough. And that was very, very rough to see that that injury happened. It, it was a shock. It was very, very quick. It was very, very quick. And I don't think a lot of us noticed it when it happened and looking back on it he landed clear on his left shoulder you can't miss it it's a two set there's a two second clip out there if you i mean you can find the report anywhere to search aj styles separated shoulder you can easily find it and they have the clip of him taking the spear and he got and he sold it like he got straight up right but when he fell landed right on the shoulder my first thought was he fucked up his collarbone he broke his collarbone and we and if and if it was that, I think the injury would have been longer to recover from. And whew, ooh. yeah, so hopefully AJ Styles does is able to recover in time for WrestleMania. And if not, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles, and that and we gotta keep it moving with what we have. 
which leads us into the main event. What I was going to have as the ugly of the good, the bad, and the ugly that was Royal Rumble weekend. And I'm going to talk about, and of course, you, the elephant's clearly in the room, and its name is Charlotte fucking Flair. I, for the life of me, cannot absolutely believe Vince McMahon went back to the well one more fucking time. My buddy Nick hit me up last night. We don't speak as often because he's doing his, you know, barbershop thing and I'm doing my thing over here. And he told me straight up. They're going back to the basically to the effect that they're going back to square one. They well, I think he said they just couldn't leave it alone. That's what he said. I think, yeah, if I remember correctly, that's what he said. They couldn't leave it alone. Charlotte Flair is a 10-time women's champion, okay? What in the absolute fuck did she do to get that spot? Mind you, as I stated in the earlier segment, Roman and Shayna were originally slated to win. So what convinced Vince McMahon to actually do so? Paul Heyman was part of that. Paul Heyman, I guess, pushed for Drew and Charlotte to win. Charlotte didn't need to win this one, Chief. She didn't. The Royal Rumble made Bianca Belair. The Royal Rumble made Shayna Baszler. Usually, the Royal Rumble is set up for moments. Big moments. Even, you know, getting rid of The Undertaker. McIntyre. And Ricochet teaming up together to get rid of Lesnar and eliminating him from the matchup. 13 straight eliminations. Breaking a record in and of itself. Most straight, most consecutive eliminations to in a Royal Rumble. That will probably never be surpassed. 13 straight. Tied the record for most in history. And he did it. And he broke the and he made the I guess made the record for most straight eliminations. So, Brock Lesnar already broke a record and made his own. Tied a record, well, tied a record and made his own record. 13 straight eliminations, tied the record for most eliminations in the history of the Royal Rumble ever. Those are moments. Charlotte winning the Royal fucking Rumble is not a moment. It is a cop-out. I don't care. You can call it what you want. I know Charlotte stands out there if they hear this shit they're gonna be mad as hell they're gonna tell me oh you're being a hater she deserved this no the fuck she didn't I know why they're doing it I know exactly why they're doing it and you're gonna and you're not gonna like what I'm about to say but it needs to be said and it needs to be addressed now Vince McMahon and this, and I'm might as well put my tinfoil hat on with this one, but it, it'll it'll all make sense once we get to April. Vince McMahon is getting his revenge for what he had to do last year in making sure we were happy with Becky two belts. Okay, I know. And you know, for a fact, Vince McMahon did not even want to do the Becky angle. The only reason he did it was because we kept clamoring for it because we know she fucking deserved it. 
Now, the only thing they fucked up on, of course, is having Charlotte in the triple threat match. Couldn't leave it the fuck alone, not have her on the fucking main card of WrestleMania in a big marquee matchup. You could have kept it Becky and Ronda, the match we should have had a Survivor Series that year. And you couldn't leave Charlotte out of it for one fucking second. Here's the fun, here's the crazy part. You could have done Charlotte Trish Stratus at Mania. You could have. You really could have. You could have put Charlotte in a marquee matchup. Hell, honestly, just like I had booked it last year, you could have literally had two big marquee matchups for the Women's Championship. Asuka Charlotte 2, Becky and Ronda. You wanted to bring up the Women's Evolution so bad 2019, 2018, 2019, you forgot that in Evolution. And progress progression is what helps you evolve how do you progress the women's division by having two bangers women's matchups Oscar Charlotte 2 with the redemption story of Oscar beating Charlotte and Becky Ronda the match we never got at Survivor Series those storylines alone could have carried the day for WrestleMania. And what did you fucking do? You fucked over Asuka, you put both belts on the line, and you just had to put Charlotte in the fucking main event. I don't hate the woman. I hate the character. Keep that in mind. I will never disrespect the per the person Charlotte Flair is. Okay? Or Ashley Flair. Call it what you want. But when it comes to in-ring version of Charlotte Flair, fuck her. The only person who deserved to win the Royal Rumble this year was Shayna Baszler. You know it, and I know it. I know a lot of us out there picked Shayna to win. Some of us had Ronda winning, and y'all were absolute straight fools, and Ronda even told y'all on her own Instagram how much of y'all were fools. I knew she wasn't going to be in the Royal Rumble. You're welcome. At least I warned you first. But I, for the life of me, cannot believe in the fact that Vince McMahon just wants to be petty. And he's doing it He's, he's, and President Petty is rearing his ugly head. He did it with Worlds Collide, didn't work. Now he's got Charlotte winning the Rumble. Guess what's gonna fucking happen? Charlotte's gonna challenge Becky or Bailey. Neither of neither of them I wanna see. I do not wanna see Charlotte Becky again, and I sure as hell don't wanna see Charlotte Bailey. I could book fantasy book all the storylines to get Charlotte Flair out of the title scene and it still wouldn't matter. Vince McMahon now has gotten what he wants. Charlotte in one of the main event marquee matchups at WrestleMania. And more than likely, we're getting Charlotte, Becky Lynch all over again because he doesn't want to build new stars. That's exactly what it comes down to. Vince McMahon is literally going to hand Charlotte Flair her 11th Women's Championship. 
How do you know that? Please, man. Please. Roman Reigns is eventually going to win back the champ, win a championship and be the top guy of the brand. Charlotte's going to eventually win the women's championship and be the top woman of hers. Those two are Vince's golden girl and golden boy. You know it, and I know it. You know who suffers? The rest of the women's division. Raw and SmackDown combined. I know there's goon casual goons out there that are freaking chub- getting a freaking chubby over the fact that Charlotte won the Royal Rumble. Got a Charlotte fucking flare poster above their bed. Probably having a wank fest from my UK squad out there. Probably having a good wank fest wishing that they would draw. Never mind, I'm not going to get into that. This ain't that kind of show, y'all. This ain't that kind of show. We're trying to keep it friendly. But you get what I'm talking about. All the casual goons out there, you know, defend me, man, man, please. You got to understand one thing and one thing only. Vince makes the final decision on everything. If he decides he wants to change up the winners of the matches the day of, let him do so. Actually, no, don't let him do so because he's going to do it anyway. Vince McMahon is going to do exactly what the fuck he wants to do. And if that means putting Charlotte Flair back in a marquee matchup to more than likely win her 11th Women's Championship, they're going to fucking do it. Because they want their P- they want their receipt for what they had to go had to do last year, derailing their plans. Because more than likely it was going to be Charlotte Ronda. I know that for a fucking fact. If they had their way, they were going to have Charlotte versus Ronda at WrestleMania for the championship. And Charlotte was going to beat Ronda. But luckily for us, we weren't playing that shit and made Vince McMahon put Becky Lynch in that main event. Albeit then fucking over Asuka in the process. But that's another story for another day. And I've already told it too many TM times to fucking count. And on top of that, you made Shayna look like a fucking idiot. Literally. She just got out of a head scissors. Goes back to the well once again. Head scissors thrown over the top rope. You made Shayna look like a complete dumb fuck. And made Charlotte look the smartest woman in the fucking room. I know a lot of us, including myself, were hoping Shayna was going to win that rumble. Because we were hoping for change. We were hoping that Shayna Becky was going to be the start of the four horsewomen versus four horsewomen feud. That is literally dissipating like a Thanos snap with every passing day. You want to talk about one of the biggest missed booking opportunities in the history of the company? Four horsewomen versus four horsewomen is literally getting Thanos snapped into oblivion. Slowly but surely it's decaying. With every passing second. I don't think for I don't think Vince wants that. Because that would involve Triple H's boys. Because they have Shayna and Jessamine and Marina. Now, it would be I would say it's more so on Jessamine and Marina to step their fucking game up. If they're gonna make this four horsewoman versus four horsewoman thing go down. 
that's just me though. A marquee match, a matchup of that quality deserves all parties involved making sure they are at their absolute best. But this really could have been the fire starter for this that matchup. What's even worse? What's even fucking worse? Is that we go back to December 2018. We go back to December 2018. And we then have to listen to them lie to us. New feuds, new stars, new champions, all that shit. I'm still waiting for that promise to actually be taken care of. But they've already broken that promise. They literally broke that promise in the first three months of them doing the promise. And I'm still waiting for them to fulfill that promise. Shayna Becky literally had money written all over it. You could literally print money with that match. The storyline itself harkens back to Survivor Series. It harkens all the way back to Survivor Series because who's the one that pretty much went to sleep? Bailey, not Becky. The standoff they had before Survivor Series between them two was one of the most impactful moments of the year for the Raw brand. How easily you could have capitalized on that. Because now with Io Shirai out of the way, here's how I would have booked it. I honestly would have booked Shayna Becky. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, I'm good on that. Yeah, we're good. I'm good. No, I'm kidding. You could have had Shayna Becky at Mania for the Raw Women's Championship. But we do know that Shayna does have a rematch clause. And I'm sure she would have loved to, and I'm sure she, and I'm sure as hell, she would have liked to hold both the NXT and the Raw Women's Championships at the same exact time. But it would be very hard for her to maintain both championships, considering that Raw's on Monday and NXT's on Wednesday. Week to week, she would have to go double duty. It would get to a point where if she did win both titles, she would more than likely have to go the page route and give up the NXT Women's Championship. And that was be never mind. Never, <laughs> never mind. I'm not gonna go there. Oh no, no, no! But if you've seen it, you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. You nasty, you nasty girl. You nasty. I seen it. You nasty. You look like you do some fun. Never mind. We're gonna leave it. I'm, I'm gonna leave it alone. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. Shayna takes on Ripley. Baszler Ripley one more time. And she wants that title back. Loses to Ripley, of course, but then goes to WrestleMania and beats Becky. Going from utter defeat to glorious victory. And walking into the new year, calendar year, quote unquote, as the Raw Women's Champion. We then get a dope ass feud with Becky. Little long term thing, nothing too crazy. You know, a couple months. And then we move on with the division. 
But then I think, but then I think about it, and it's like, who else could you have in that division that would even come close to Shayna? No one. And you make her dominant. Feel me? I know you like that shit. But my God, seriously, another Royal Rumble. Actually, just actually, Vince McMahon literally got his hands on this and just just shit all over it. He now has what he wants. He's going to get probably Charlotte Becky because he wants nothing to do with Charlotte Bailey. Charlotte's going to win win her 11th. And then if they do a draft, they're going to send Becky right over to SmackDown. Ain't that some shit? You don't think that's not going to happen? Charlotte wins the Raw Women's Championship and then Becky gets sent off to SmackDown? You don't think that's going to happen in 2020? Okay. That If that shit happens, you're welcome. And I told you so. Vince McMahon literally has to really blow this one out of the fucking water for us to believe Charlotte Becky is anything worthwhile of watching at Mania. Honestly, I can give a fuck less. Charlotte shouldn't have won that Rumble. You know it. I know it. Shayna knows it. Paul Heyman fucking knows it. The dumb fuck he is for that one. Probably one of the worst booking decisions you can make. Why? I'm sure Vince pinched a fucking tent the second he heard Charlotte winning the Rumble. At the suggestion of Paul Heyman. Pitched a fucking tent. Now he's got his out. And they gave him that out. And Vince McMahon gave himself that out. So now we get to go back. Now we're going back to status quo. You sure you want yeah yeah because they really want to really really do give us what they want don't they Vince McMahon doesn't know what we want anymore he just wants what he wants and that honestly could be the reason Wrestlemania goes from possible thumbs up just like Batista does before his bomb to a thumbs down and that ladies and gentlemen was the terrible that was Royal Rumble weekend. I know we haven't gotten to the fun stuff yet. So what we're going to do, take a quick short break. And we're going to get right into the fun stuff. The fun stuff I like to talk about. Top three matches of the weekend. The worst match of the weekend, which is my absolute favorite. The MVP of Royal Rumble weekend, which is a very high honor if you're getting it from yours truly. And the, of course, the final grades of both Worlds Collide and Royal Rumble. We'll be right back. Okay. Let's get down to the true nitty gritty. Time to discuss the top three matches of Royal Rumble Weekend. The worst match of Royal Rumble Weekend. The MVP of Royal Rumble Weekend. And of course, the most important, the final grades for both Worlds Collide and Royal Rumble. 
So, let's begin with our top three matches of the weekend. And these three matches are pretty easy to pick up. And the number one pick surprise, will probably surprise everyone. Coming in at number three. I'm going with Imperium versus Undisputed Era. From Worlds Collide. This match was a fantastic matchup from beginning to end. And it was an absolute war. An absolute war. For a stable, for stable supremacy and brand supremacy all at the same time. It was an absolute barn burner of the matchup. Even with Alexander Wolf getting knocked out of the matchup early on. The remaining seven put on a masterful display of what stable infighting, stable fighting should be all about. That's what it should always be about. Who is the better stable? And on that night, Imperium, even a man down, were, were the better team. And they, they, for almost 30 minutes, they literally went balls to the fucking wall. They went, they went all out in this matchup. And I was thoroughly impressed by the fact that, you know, they did everything they can to, you know, make this an important matchup on the card. And that's why they made it the main event. Coming in at number two. And this more than likely would have been my number one match of the weekend had it not been for the number one match. And I was flipping back and forth through these two. I really was. But at number two, I'm going to go with the Men's Royal Rumble match. This matchup was... This was a this is probably like I said earlier one of the better men's royal rumbles that in quite some time. I was thoroughly happy with the men's royal rumble. It's always been a very big criticism of mine with the men's royal rumble over the last few years that, you know, I wanted them to get get it right. Now, granted, Shinsuke and Seth running the last two before were easy calls to make, Shinsuke being the better of the two between him and Rollins. But Drew McIntyre winning this Royal Rumble, albeit different reports and the winners being changed, I was very happy with the result. Now, again, I did pick Roman Reigns to win the Royal Rumble. But Drew McIntyre winning it, I think, is the better choice, given the fact that you really just put the rocket strap onto McIntyre's back and shot him up to the fucking moon. You have legitimately created a new star. And what I just saw with McIntyre's promo, he makes it all believable. He is very believable. 
he will be the face in this matchup and Lesnar will be the heel and they will both play their to their strengths. Lesnar with 13 straight eliminations. Uh, McIntyre being the one to eliminate Lesnar with the help of Ricochet. MVP returning. Edge returning. Making his return in almost nine years. Biggest moment of the weekend. That easily propelled it up to number two. And my number one match of Royal Rumble weekend. DIY versus Mustache Mountain. Now, either one of these three easily could have been the match of the weekend, hands down, without question. They all three deserve to be recognized as one of the top matches of the weekend. But what made DIY Mustache Mountain number one was the fact that this was the heart and soul of NXT versus the heart and soul of NXT UK. The founding fathers of NXT UK, in a sense. And then you had one of the greatest tag teams in NXT tag team history with DIY. These two teams put on a masterful performance. This was literally this is literally what tag team wrestling is all about to me they easily put on a clinic for 22 minutes and I could not be happier with what the result was of this match. I'm completely happy with the result of this matchup. Both teams put on a great display. Throughout, we got DIY moments. We got the padding on the back. Mustache Mountain doing their trademark shit. The double airplay spin. This was just a fantastic match from beginning to end that literally made the world take notice. They made the world easily take notice like that. DIY, the reuniting of DUI for one night only. Yeah, I was all for it. And I couldn't be happier with the result of the match. I really couldn't be happier. And that leads... So that was my top three of the weekend. Now we get into the worst match of the weekend. And this, honestly, is a pretty clear-cut victor in this one. And I have no sympathy for the match. I have no sympathy for what we got out of the match. I don't care for the match. I, uh, this match has no replay value whatsoever. I hope this feud ends. I hope it ended uh, last night. And if it didn't, we got some damn problems. My match, my worst match of the weekend easily goes to Bailey and Lacey Evans. 
This was an atrocious dumpster fire of epic proportions. I, in my life, hate to see mediocrity. When I'm watching professional wrestling, I like to see the best. Now, not every show you're going to watch on your television is going to be the best show ever. Raw, doo-doo. Smackdown, getting close to being doo-doo. But when I watch an NXT, an AEW, or an MLW, or something like that, I know I'm going to get top-notch quality action. That's what I expect. That's what I've come to enjoy. Rey Mysterio versus MVP ain't it, Chief. Humberto Carrillo versus Andrade for the 8 million time ain't it, Chief. I would rather watch paint dry, flies fuck, my dog taking a shit more than I would want to watch Bailey versus Lacey Evans again. That match was literally the most hor- horrific thing I had seen all weekend. I have never, like, just. And it's, it's, I mean, the worst part that they did was put them in the dead spot right after the Women's Royal Rumble, basically saying we do not give an absolute fuck about this title match whatsoever. As I always say, someone has to go in the dead spot. the SmackDown Women's Championship starts getting more uh, more interesting because if they don't I know Bailey's going to have a low low tier on the card for WrestleMania 36 which leads us now to the MVP of Royal Rumble Weekend and when it comes to Big Four Weekends it gets it becomes a little harder um, to me personally, because you're taking matches from two nights, combining them together with all the participants that were involved, mixing it up, and out comes your MVP. I can go through a few, I can go easily for a couple of names. I can go with DIY. I could go with Mustache Mountain. I could go with Imper- I can go with Imperium or any member of the Unspeeded Era. I can honestly go with, you know, no, I couldn't go with that. Not that one either. Definitely not that one. No, no, nay, but I know who. Ladies and gentlemen of the YLP universe, your Royal Rumble weekend MVP award we'll always we'll actually go we is gonna go to drew mcintyre and this is a long time coming for drew mcintyre 
Upon his arrival back into the world, the, uh, the good graces of WWE, a lot of people didn't know who Drew McIntyre was, unless you go back to his early days when he was dubbed the Chosen One by story storyline from Vince McMahon. Didn't work out the way it wanted to for him the first time. Got released. But he busted his ass. Killed it through the indies. Came back to NXT. Made a name for himself. Became NXT champion. Got called up. He has he has the look of a world champion. The makings of a world champion. But it took him a little, a little bit longer than a lot of people anticipated. A lot of people anticipated right away Drew McIntyre would be world champion. Apparently, it was not in the cards for him. But this time around, feels different. And I saw this tweet a little while ago as I was tweeting when I was going to release this episode, which will be coming out in just a little while. By the time you hear this, you probably the time has already passed. But Drew McIntyre's time is now, and. WWE has to strike while the iron is hot, just like I am, giving him the MVP of the weekend. Drew McIntyre deserves this more, not only this this award I'm giving him, the Royal Rumble victory more than anyone on that roster. Again, he's a five-tool player. He has everything you would want in a world champion and more. He can carry a brand on his back. You just have to give him the chance to do so. And when you do... Great things can happen. So congrats to Drew McIntyre for winning the YLP Royal Rumble Weekend MVP. Which leads me into my final grade. Big four pay-per-views. Always and forever. Will hold a more hold a bit more weight than B-level, C-level shows. Big fours mean everything. And when it comes to a Royal Rumble weekend, you bet your ass I'm going to be holding it to a different standard. So let's start with who lost the weekend in terms of what was the Kobe. Sorry, I was watching an MVP match. With Rey Mysterio, he's about to do this bowling move, and I just yelled at Kobe. One time for Kobe, real quick. And I can tell you right now, Worlds Collide beat Royal Rumble. I said that from the beginning of the show. Royal Rumble beat itself, but Worlds Collide did beat Royal Rumble. So let's start with the Royal Rumble grade. Again, this was the probably the best Royal Rumble in terms of matches. I would say I, this is the best men's Royal Rumble I had seen in the last five years. The women's Rumble was good, which is always a plus factor in the Wyatt Brian matchup 
the return of Edge to the WWE after nine years away. Add in. I'm trying to think of what else to add in. Asuka Becky was a solid matchup. But the problem is the rest of the card. have is me giving the Royal Rumble a C plus <laughs> no 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 I'm gonna give it a B minus I lied I'm giving it a C plus fuck that here's the thing the second half of the show was a great show yeah, you can say the the Rain, Roman Reigns Baron Corbin match was all good and well, but it was a mere formality. Reigns was going to win that matchup. Now, what I should have caught was Reigns winning meant Reigns not winning Royal Rumble. Had Reigns lost, Reigns would have won the Royal Rumble. In which at that point, I would have easily been laughing my ass off because I would have figured out the uh, the equation. But unfortunately, I caught it too late. Reigns won, and I realized he wasn't gonna win goes with you know just go with the flow of things but i am going to give the royal rumble a c plus and again the first half of the card did not help matters the shorty g sheamus match was doo-doo went too fucking long umberto carrillo and andrade was good but it was a pre-show match not a main card match which deserved to the bailey lacey evan match which of course is the worst match of the weekend according to yours truly also holds a lot of weight on what I graded. If your if the match on the card has the worst match of the weekend, well, sorry about your damn luck. It's going down a little bit in terms of grade. Bailey Lacey was the worst match of the weekend, so that definitely goes down a little bit. That could have been easily the difference between a B minus and a C plus. Had the Bailey Lacey match been a little bit better. Or might have would have given him that B B minus grade. But C plus, I think for me, is right where this Royal Rumble is. In terms of grade. It's a very high C plus that could have been a B minus had it had a little bit more something. You know, this Antina Marilla thing didn't work out that much you know um literally the second half of the show saved it luckily or this could have been a worse grade than it could have been but i'm gonna give i'm gonna leave it at a c plus for the royal rumble which then leads me to worlds collide and i know what you're thinking oh thanks you give my higher break because you like nxt the nxt uk marking on this shit first and foremost you can go fuck yourself on that theory two yeah i like nxt or nxt uk it's good shit. Most of you casual goons like Raw and SmackDown. I, I, I lie. I give you hell for it because you you don't know any better. But. I'm actually going to give World's Collab an A. Again, there is no perfect show. If there was, I would have already given it to him. Closest one will easily would have been TakeOver War Games 2. 
And if you don't understand my reasoning about that, um, the reason I'd never give it an A+, which would have been the only show I would have given it an A+, is if the first fall went a bit longer for Kyrie and Shane in the two out of three falls match. Had it gone another at least five, ten minutes, this that show would have been the only A-plus in the history of this podcast, hands down. But with what Worlds Collide accomplished on Saturday night, they accomplished two major things. One, make a show that's not a takeover, had the feeling of a takeover. And two, introduce, the, introduce those who don't know NXT UK talent to names like Jordan Devlin, Tony Storm, um, you know, Mustache Mountain, Imperium, Ilya Dragunov. Ilya Dragunov made his name on Saturday night. Okay? That's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing when you can introduce the world to a new group of talent that most never have seen before and have them put on an amazing effort. And to make like, who is this guy? Who is this chick? You know, what they got going on over in NXT UK? I might want to check that out. Once they come on Thursday, 3 o'clock, and I can watch them on the network anytime I want to? Yeah. Yeah, I might want to check them out. See what they're all about. Let me check it out an episode. It builds interest. NXT and NXT UK have followed, have gotten to this formula down to a science. They make it quite simple. They give you characters that you can believe in with long-term investment that make fans invest in the product. WWE could make that happen. But they're very, very back and forth with what they want to do with shit. NXT and NXT UK showed you what a good show could be like and what the future of the brand is. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is something I can always believe in. So let's recap. Worlds Collide. A. Royal Rumble. C+. Drew McIntyre is my Royal Rumble weekend MVP. Bailey and Lacey Evans is the worst match of the weekend and DIY versus Mustache Mountain takes the kid and takes the top spot as my match of the weekend and that ladies and gentlemen as long as this show has been going on as long as I've been recording is going to do it for episode 161 of the Young Lions Perspective as always we're going to finish this show off in proper wildly fashion get you prepared and ready for episode 162 of the Young Lions Perspective we'll be right back Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 161 of the Young Lions Perspective. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for taking up this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it if you did enjoy this episode and you have any thoughts, opinions, shows, you know, show ideas, you know, or you just want to run your mouth and talk smack to any, to myself or any of the members of the war family. I don't suggest you do that because they do clap back when it's necessary. Trust me when I tell you for real, for real, 
But if you want to show us some love or you want to, you know, have an opinion or have a thought on the uh, on the show in and of itself, hit us up with a voice message. Anchor.fm slash Radio. Leave a voice message. And if you're leaving one for me, let me know. You know, show love. And if I like it enough, I'll have no problem featuring it on a future episode of the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective. Share this episode across all of your social medias, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams. And, of course, what I got going on in the month of February, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that was NXT TakeOver Portland, Elimination Chamber, and, of course, AEW Revolution on the 29th of February, as well as Love, Hate, AEW Dynamite, and Love, Hate, NXT. You definitely want to stick around because in 2020 and moving forward, the young Lions perspective is your alternative for professional wrestling podcast and that we are here to stay. Now, I know most of y'all do not have the anchor app, and that's okay. You're not hurting my feelings by not having it whatsoever. And I know everybody has like different streaming platforms and all this stuff, and everybody thinks it's the best one. But hey, if you want to check out this episode of the podcast or any of the other members of the War Familia you can still find this podcast, podcast, any of the other podcasts across several different platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Castbox FM, Podcast Addict, Player FM, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify. Bam! Search for the Young Lions perspective across all these different platforms. You just have no problem finding it whatsoever. Of course, we're trying to make the Russell Attic Radio family a big deal. Of course, we are in the retooling process, but hey, we everybody knows, you know about, of course, Kings of the Rings podcast, the Game Changer podcast, and of course, yours truly with the Young Lions Perspective podcast, but you might want to know, you might want to, you're thinking, I want more. You know, I like, I like what you guys are bringing to the table, but I want, I want more. Well, don't you fret, my friend. Y'all can now find us on Patreon. That is right. For a nice, for a nice, nice price, you can get exclusive ac- access. I almost said assets. Access to shows outside of the, of course, what you hear from King of the Rings, po- Kings of the Rings podcast, the Game Changer podcast, and my own podcast, The Young Lions Perspective. And like I said, for a nice price, you can get exclusive access to all of that and more. Patreon.com, search for Wrestle Addict Radio, become a part of the War family, and and trust and believe, your boy is definitely going to be coming with the goodness in 2020 for y'all. So that's a nice little thing there. Of course, if you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions perspective, Follow me over on my Twitter at Suede Senator War. That's S U E D E S E N A T O R, capital W, capital A, capital R. I do live tweeting for AEW Dynamite, SmackDown Live, because as y'all know, Raw is straight up doo doo 99.9% of the time. And of course, every single AEW live pay-per-view every wwe live pay-per-view and every nxt and nxt uk take over and i definitely will be live tweeting for this wednesday's aew dynamite episode 
yeah, it's going to be a fun time for sure. Absolutely going to have a fun time with that. And of course, if you want to follow me over on my Instagram, the mothership of everything that is the YLP universe, follow me over there at young underscore lines underscore perspective. Follow me on both of those platforms to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Looking over to my judges to make sure my obligations have been met. All right, even giving me an extra point for the Patreon. Holla at your boy. Thank you, Danish judge. So, episode 162 will be going down as usual on Thursday evening when I discuss... Actually, no. Let's bring that a few hours earlier. I'm going to be on a five-day weekend this week. Of course, I've got a little bit of vacation time left, and, and of course, celebrating my 32nd birthday this coming Wednesday, I decided to have a five-day weekend and just sleep for the majority of the time. But episode 162 will actually be coming your way this afternoon, and I'm hoping to get it out before NXT UK at 3 p.m., and I believe this will be the third upcoming uh, third episode post uh, NXT UK Blackpool. So I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to be bringing to the table. I might want to check that out. Maybe I'll talk about it on the NXT Love Hate. Who knows? But I can, you can be rest assured this coming Thursday afternoon, I will be bringing out episode 162 of the Young Lions Perspective as we go over what I loved and what I hated from this coming Wednesday night episode of AEW Dynamite. So, guys, I know I apologize for this coming out so late, but this is a very big episode, a very long episode. I trust and believe this is going to be like a two-hour show. So, strap in if you're going to be doing, you're going to be checking this out. And I greatly appreciate y'all checking out this episode. So, guys, until Thursday afternoon, enjoy the rest of your night. Enjoy the rest of your next couple of days, and I'll be right back here for episode 162 of the Young Lions Perspective. See you.